Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Glory to Jesus Christ. Awesome. So we're going to talk today about baptism and spiritual blindness. A few years ago on a website called Reddit, it's basically an internet forum where people can talk about like various interests. You know, there's a, a subreddit thread for basically everything. You know, if you want to uh, talk about cars, you can probably find a subreddit for cars. Uh, you know, I've been watching these YouTube documentaries on Mazda Miatas because I'm a nerd that way and I used to have one and I wish I could have another one because it was a great car. So I can go to uh, probably a subreddit for uh, Mazda Miatas. Uh, if you are interested in arts, there's a subreddit for arts. There's also a dark side to Reddit as well. Uh, one of those being the uh, atheist uh, subreddit, which is always a, a great place to stop by for a bit of fun. And a couple of years ago, uh, there was a teenager, and he posted the following quote, and I say this because it's now become a meme, and you all know what memes are, right? I don't have to explain memes. Perfect, okay. <laughs> so a meme is basically like a funny picture or a quote or something like that that people use to make fun of stuff. So a teenager wrote this, in this moment, I am euphoric, not because of any phony God's blessing, but because I am enlightened by my intelligence. Now, I can think back myself personally to many dumb things I've said as a teenager, uh, as well as the dumb things I've said as an adult, but this rightly became a meme, and, and it's funny. It still pops up from time to time, and it makes people of faith and of no faith chuckle. And while this is funny, it's an indicator of an, a degree of spiritual blindness. Uh, I think another indicator of spiritual blindness is What's been going on right now in Puerto Rico, there was a massive, massive earthquake which has caused a lot of destruction and uh, they're in need of aid. And you can go to our, our, uh, go to our website, our, the church's Facebook page, you can find a, a website at the UCC where you can go donate towards that, towards uh, repairs and aid there. But I saw more, and maybe I'm not reading the right sites, but I saw more about uh, the comedian uh, Ricky Gervais roasting Hollywood at the Golden Globes than I did about, hey, maybe we need to get uh, behind Puerto Rico and some solidarity and send them some, hate, some aid, maybe, and some help. And I think that that's a degree of spiritual blindness that, that, that pops up, making us unable, well, making people unable to see uh, where they need to uh, be involved. I think another indicator of spiritual blindness was something that happened at the Golden Globes when one of the female actors, while pregnant, talking about not being able to stand there without employing a right to have an abortion. Now, the media was quick to praise this, and a media outlet even said that this is not a danger to motherhood, which left me scratching my head. And maybe I was thinking about this because I have some very close friends who have been trying to conceive and trying and praying and asking God for children, and, and I know many, many people like this who have been unable to and the disposable nature of the unborn in our society. The irony was not lost on me, a woman praising the sacrifice of the unborn while clutching a golden statue. This is spiritual blindness as well, brothers and sisters. And this blindness has been brought on all people by sin and by death. 
And then I want to look at the text primarily from Matthew this morning. Jesus being baptized in the Jordan. And at the end, we'll tie it in a little bit with the Isaiah text that we heard read this morning. And today we commemorate the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. And we know that Christians are not alone in the religious practice of, of baptism. St. John the Baptizer, he's an itinerant preacher of repentance who baptized people in water. But what was baptism to them, and what about it changed after the baptism of Jesus? So in the Old Testament, there are many different washings that the Jews performed. In Exodus, God tells Moses to have the people wash their clothes. You're going to come to the mountain before me, be clean. Later in Exodus, Moses washes Aaron and his sons before he anoints them to serve as priests of Yahweh. In Leviticus, we see ceremonial washings to purify people from coming into contact with dead animals or fluids or dead people. In Ezekiel, God says he will sprinkle water on his people in order to purify them. And by the time of St. John, the way that non-Jews were brought into the Jewish faith was by baptism in water. And I've read that there were different arguments about, between different rabbinical schools of the era about which was more appropriate to receive Gentile converts, baptism or circumcision. And circumcision won out, which may account for why so many Gentiles stayed at a status called God-fears, those who worship the God of Israel but not fully convert. So what's interesting here is that St. John is baptizing people who are already considered part of the people of God, which is why he got into a little trouble with the Pharisees earlier in chapter 3. But Jesus' baptism is a bit different. Jesus, when he approaches John, is rebuffed politely right by John. John says, no, 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 no. Like, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You need to baptize me. John knows who Jesus is. His task and his mission was to prepare the way for Jesus, to announce the coming of the Messiah. And when he sees the Messiah coming to him, he's probably a little bit surprised. Right? Whoa. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You need to baptize me. That'd be like Michael Jordan coming to me and asking me advice for how I think he should play basketball. I mean, I'm six foot two, but I'm, you know, I'm not in as good shape as he is, right? That, that, that would be insanity. Like, if anything, I would need to go to Michael Jordan and say, Michael, please teach me how to play basketball. Unless I date myself how long I haven't watched basketball because I can only remember Michael Jordan off the top of my head. Sorry, LeBron James, there we go. If I went to LeBron, I'm like, King, King James, please teach me how to play basketball. Or, or he came to me and said, teach me how to play basketball. I would have to go to him. But you get the point. So John is washing people as a sign of their repentance and as a symbol of their purity before God. But Jesus is sinless. So if the sinless one is here, he has no need to be baptized for a baptism of repentance because he has nothing to repent of. So what's the deal? It's a scholar priest named Patrick Henry Reardon. He notes that Jesus, through the incarnation, is taking on solidarity with all human beings. He writes this, Jesus comes to present himself to the Father as the representative of the human race and to demonstrate that there is no distance between him and us. Jesus being baptized, he is partaking in an act, a moment of solidarity as the representative of all humanity to show that he has completely taken on our humanity. Bless you for sneezing, by the way, but without sin. The sinless one being submerged in the waters of the Jordan and then being brought out of the water sets the pattern for our washing of regeneration. 
And in the baptism of Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. That, that doesn't always, that doesn't necessarily reference visuals. Right? He might not be saying that the Holy Spirit looked like a dove, but maybe that he's describing more the action of the Holy Spirit. Right? So when we think about the dove imagery, like kind of hovering and coming down over waters, right? where do we see that? Dove, hovering, coming down, water, activity of the Spirit of God. Genesis. We see this in the book of Genesis. When God creates the heaven and the earth, it says the Spirit of God, what does the Spirit of God do? It says the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. That the Spirit of God is active at the waters of creation, bringing form and function to everything, to all things. The other story with the dove is the story of Noah. And New Testament calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. And in the Old Testament, God commands him to build this massive boat because there's a flood coming. We all know the story. We heard it in Sunday school. They need to get ready. Humanity has become wicked due to the influence of the evil ones that have, been, that have led them to grievous sin. But God has to step in and take action. The floodwaters will come and purify the world. Noah, his family, and the animals are shut in the ark to protect them. And after the flood finally begins to recede, what does Noah do? He sends out birds and sends out a dove. And then the dove brings something back, an olive branch. Very good. You all paid attention at Sunday school. You put a little, make a little chart in your Bible, put a little star next to your name. I like that. What does that mean? That there's land. The flood is finally dissipating. The world has been purified through water has been cleansed through water. So what does a spirit as a dove mean here? St. John Chrysostom says this, therefore the dove appears not bearing an olive branch, but pointing out to us our deliverer from all evils and suggesting the gracious hopes. For not only out of the ark does she lead one man only, but the whole world she leads up into heaven at her appearing. And instead of a branch of peace from an olive, she conveys the adoption to all the world's offspring in common. So the Spirit's hovering, right, like a dove over Jesus at the waters. This is the sign, right, that the whole world will be redeemed through the waters, blessed by Jesus Christ. Let's talk about some of the differences between the baptism of John and Jesus. So the difference between the baptism of John and baptism after the baptism of Jesus, right, Christian baptism, is that those of us who are baptized in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we actually receive something. Something happens to us. And I'll never understand those who say that baptism is just a symbolic act. It's just an act of obedience or an ordinance that we do to show God we're serious about following Jesus. But brothers and sisters, that description is more indicative of John's baptism, not Christian baptism. John's baptism is symbolic, the acting out of the desire to turn from sin and acted out like the ceremonial washings in the temple. People heard John's message and repented, and the symbolic way that, that was shown that they had repented was by going into the waters and being baptized, a symbol of their purification. But the difference is when Jesus steps into the water, the heavens open, 
And the Spirit descends upon Jesus while he's in the water. And Jesus is sanctifying the water, ensuring that all who follow after him will receive an amazing gift, the gift of being made right before God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Father resounds from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son. And brothers and sisters, even if you didn't see it, even if you didn't hear a voice from heaven, even if you didn't have a mystical experience like Jesus did in the Jordan, when you are baptized and brought into the kingdom of God, the voice of the Father speaks and says, you are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter, and I am pleased with you. Because Jesus, in his baptism, has broken down that wall of separation that sin and death have erected between us and between God. God, in and through the waters of baptism, has made you his child, has adopted you into his family. And I think sometimes we're so conditioned to think about what baptism doesn't do that we do damage to the scriptures because God is actually working in it and through it. And in the Isaiah reading this morning, we, we heard that God is accomplishing something through the baptism of Jesus. Isaiah says that God is going to put his spirit on his servant, which we see as fulfilled in Christ. Isaiah writes, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. This is the Lord speaking to his servant, which is Jesus. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Jesus steps out of the water clothed in the Holy Spirit so we can exchange our fallenness for his, his sinlessness. Jesus steps out of the water so he can be a light for all nations. Jesus steps out of the water to open the eyes of the spiritually blind, to lead them away from the darkness of the prison that we have put ourselves in by our own disobedience. We are enslaved, brothers and sisters, to sin and to death. And Jesus breaks us out of the prison that holds us as, as slaves through those baptismal waters. Jesus has called us out of darkness. I'm assuming that most of us, if not all of us here, have been baptized into Christ. Even if it wasn't here, it was somewhere else. St. Paul says those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We have been clothed in Christ. The light that Christ shines lives in you. Let us live then, brothers and sisters, as if we are in that light because we are. And this means, brothers and sisters, the gradual and ongoing continual transformation of our fallen selves. The way we act, the way we think, what we do, that is all transformed by Jesus Christ. If we come up out of the waters of baptism acting and doing the things that we did beforehand, then there's something very wrong. Something very wrong. We are transformed by the Spirit. We are then to live as the Spirit-filled people in the world, bringing that light of Christ, calling people out of the darkness of sin and death into the light of Jesus Christ. And St. Paul reminds us you know, that Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
we are his witnesses called to proclaim. Sorry, St. Peter. We are called to, as witnesses to this. That is our task, brothers and sisters. As people who have been given the Holy Spirit, it is our task to go around, to do good, and to bring healing to those who are in need of it, the spiritually and physically, to be God's light in an increasingly darkening world. And to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is baptized, setting the pattern for us, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, or on our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email at malandsman at gmail.com or through our social media page, like I just mentioned. If you could take a couple minutes, we would appreciate it if you went to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash savezionstone in order to donate towards some big repairs that we need to have done to the church. So if you could donate anything, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're in the area, come worship with us. Our services are at 1015 and our Sunday school is at 9 a.m. Thank you so much again for listening. May God bless you.